Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we are closing out QWI season in high fashion today because it is time for the 2022 QWI Awards, as voted by you, the fans of LGBT in the Ring, Outsports, and let's just face it, pro wrestling in general. Um, these awards were determined by you, both nominees and the winners, and I am very happy to welcome a couple people who have some experience with awards and, and handing them out. Um, please welcome the uh, co-hosts of the Grit and Glitter podcast, M. Fear and Harley Padgett. How are y'all doing tonight? Good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm finally over this COVID bullshit, so I'm feeling pretty spry, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Emma's been on the show before. I haven't, so I'm no. very honored to be here. And we are honored to have you. Like I've been, I've been looking forward to the chance that we could get both of y'all onto the show and i feel like the year-end awards is pretty pretty much the best way to to debut the both of y'all together on this on this show so um so yeah we have a number of categories some new ones that have been created based off of uh feedback from last year uh and as well as some some old favorites too um Y'all just want to like jump into the first category here since we're recording this at a terrible hour of the day. <laughs> yeah, let's do no, it. I want to jump it. in because I'm excited to announce some winners. That's and it. Yeah. Talk about uh, the fan voting. There we go. That's what yeah, I'm talking have, about. Like for real, Brian, I had such a blast talking to you about this last year. So I like would would record with you on this at any hour it's always really fun to shout these people out to shout this work out um yeah let's dive in awesome all right well let's start off on a bit of a grander scale promotion of the year well obviously this award is is given to the uh the best most favorite promotion that is at least partially lgbtq led and we had some really stellar nominees this year um Last year, this was won by, I believe, uh, it was Paris's bumping on the actual ballot, but since everything got absorbed into Pro Wrestling Vibe, it's now retroactively a Pro Wrestling Vibe win. Um, so, but And they are, again, nominated here. Nominees for Promotion of the Year are Full Queer, Hood Slam, Pride Style Pro, Pro Wrestling Vibe, the Underground Wrestling Alliance, or UGWA, and Without a Cause whack up here in my neck of the woods r.i.p and the winner for promotion of the year this year goes to hood slam hmm. very how beloved, cool. how beloved dark chic is a but also the the longevity i guess they've probably they've been going the longest out of anybody on this list right yeah, 12 years. They just, with Entertainia 12 that just happened recently, like in the last, uh, this month, actually, I want to say, like that was their kind of, that's their big event of the year and their 12 years in the game, even though they did miss a good, a little bit of a chunk there with the pandemic. But yeah, 2010 to now going strong. Yeah, it's hard to argue with Hood Slam ever receiving it. They are the 
you know, pace setters when it comes to queer wrestling promotions. They are the like forebearers. They are the groundbreakers. And the cool thing is they continue to be kind of singular in their vision and what they deliver. So there's never really any kind of repetition. Like they are there, aside from being kind of the preeminent, like queer driven um, promotion, they are also just like very singular in so many ways. So they have made their mark 10 times over, right? So I, you can never really quibble with them winning this. Like it, it always feels right. As long as Coastland was operating in that year, Coastland was a contender. Yeah, and and honestly, like winning it this year actually kind of speaks to the way that they restarted everything after their their pandemic break. Because you know this is really the first full year that they've been back, and they just as soon as March fourth happened, they just hit the ground running, and it feels like they've really just kind of picked back up where they left off. They're still pulling major crowds in the Bay um, with their very unique. Uh, take on pro wrestling that I adore. What other pro wrestling company? You're gonna have a sentient nuclear bomb uh, pr- proposed to a woman in the ring. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the- you know, it's, it's, it's like it's more than the expression of of gender or the expression of sexuality. It's the expression of like every facet of of idea of imagination and. Um, living outside the lines of like what is possible and in that way it's like the coolest representation ever because you know it what if you weren't even a like a physical human corporeal being <laughs> I think it's really cool like it takes queer to like a galaxy brain level <laughs> it, it actually does I believe there's a cosmic god that competed in the ring this year there too so yeah it fits it's completely completely out of this world <laughs> And they run fairly regularly too, right? Like we love Vibe, obviously, but they do two, three shows a year usually. Hurt Slam, it feels like runs monthly, bi-monthly? Uh, it's monthly at this point. For a while there, before the pandemic, they were running weekly. Um, but but yeah, they've been running monthly. First Friday of every month uh, out in the Bay. So congratulations to to Hood Slam and, and Dark Sheik and all of the family out in, in the Bay. All right. Let's get to uh, event of the year, because obviously what defines a good promotion is a good event, honestly, or at least one of the major things that does. We don't want to just completely single out one thing over anything else, but there have been a lot of queer-focused events, pride-focused events, queer-led events this year. Um, I think this was the year that I got the most like different events in the nominations pool um, before ultimately landing on the the final nominees here. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just been a while to see the complete expansion of what LGBTQ pro wrestling has to offer. Because um, all these events have very different feels to them and very different focuses too, in a lot of ways. Um, and with that, our nominees for event of the year are Effie's Big Gay Brunch Dallas, which of course, WrestleMania weekend, uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch 5 in Chicago during All Out Weekend. Uh, Full Queer Folsom Street Fair, which of course happened out in the Bay. Uh, Hood Slam Fights into Dreams, uh, just a stellar event from, from our Promotion of the Year winner. Pro Wrestling Vibe Cassandro Cup 2, which featured the Cassandro Cup Rumble, the queerest Royal Rumble ever uh, seen in pro wrestling. 
Pro Wrestling Vibe Paris is bumping the Legends Ball, which of course capped off Pride of Vibe Weekend, and Agua Morgation, which was main evented by that uh, very popular and I guess somewhat controversial Sandra Moon versus Effie match that got a lot of play on social media and whatever. It was a stellar match anyway. So we have our nominees and our winner for event of the year goes to Effie's Big Gay Brunch 5 in Chicago. Was that event main evented by Effie versus Maxi Impaler? It's also where we get to see Jordan Blade and Edith Surreal fight to a draw. We also get to see Kid Bandit absolutely murdered by Pero and the uh, Big Gay Brunch debut of Matteo Valentine and Joey Mayberry, as, as well as the debut of the McQueens with Dylan and Eddie McQueen tagging there. So I'm curious to get y'all's thoughts on, on our winner here. I guess I should send it to somebody. <laughs> I apologize. Sorry. I was looking up the card really quickly so I could be more informed. Yes. There's been so many big gay brunches. There have. There have. <laughs> I did watch this one. And we're going to England think... next year. Oh. Yes. This one, I did watch. I think I might have even gotten to watch this one live, maybe. Um, I think friend, Glitterati member, um, all around Girl About Town, Val Pancakes was at the Big Gay Brunch Chicago. Um, of the Big Gay Brunches so far, this one was probably the best of all of them as far as consistency goes in the card. Like every single one of these matches delivered. Um, that, that's not to speak ill of any of the other ones. They were all, you know, really fantastic watches. But like this one, I think, kind of stood apart from the rest because of the true quality and cohesiveness of all of these matches. I especially loved the um, three-way match with Dark Sheik and Ali Catch and Taya. Um, I, I thought that Taya was such a wonderful fit for that, that audience. Um, and of course that main event was a, was a, just a, a unlikely showcase for just what you can do to Effie. <laughs> um, so yeah, I can't, again, can't argue with this one. Um, I think if I was making the choice, I might've picked a little differently, but if you're gonna pick a big gay brunch, especially if you're gonna choose a thing as two, um, big gay brunch Chicago was, was right on. Yeah, when you said Big Gay Brunch 5, I was like, mm, I don't remember that one. And then I look up the card, I'm like, oh, yes, I do. I remember Edith Surreal versus Jordan Blade in the rounds match. I remember Ashton Star and Sandra Moon. I remember Effie versus Max. So definitely, definitely a strong card overall, for sure. And doing this during all that weekend obviously brings in a fun crowd that really elevates it over, you know, maybe some of the smaller promotions that don't, don't have that kind of, that kind of access. Yeah. There's something about the the crowd in Chicago that I feel like just gets people going in a way. Cause, because last year, the same Effie's big gay brunch in Chicago won this award. So clearly like the Chicago crowd just adds something different to, to this event. And I don't necessarily know, in particular what it is other than other than passion but i'm sure there's something else there but yeah like the like this this card up and down is just stellar um i mean honestly it's been rare that a, a match on the big gay brunch misses i would say and um this is just another example of of a superbly complete card i think the only 
The only complaint I think I've seen from anybody about this was the fact that Jordan Blade and Edith Sorrell went to a tie. They went to a draw. Like somebody wanted, they wanted to see a winner and hopefully we'll get another matchup between the two of them down the line. Just, yeah, it's it's long-term storytelling, folks. Exactly. Long-term storytelling. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gotta say, this list of like final nominations for events of the year, and not to judge a bold bullshit, but like it's very interesting to see what did not end up making that like top echelon of choices this year because there was some pretty sort of groundbroken this year as far as queer events go. And um, you know, that in particular, the specific event I'm thinking of, like were it to have gone down in a slightly different fashion, probably <laughs> would have been your event of the year. There there <laughs> were there were some people You're that talking, still nominated. Of course, about Cascadia. Yes, about Cascadia. <laughs> no, <laughs> which I I I did explicitly say like that that cannot win this category because I will I still reserve no nomination spaces for anything I'm involved in. But but yeah, there honestly even with all of the the discord and the fallout around Russell Queerdom, um, mm-hmm. there were still people that nominated that show for for this award in in the initial round because of like. The actual presentation of it like take out if you weren't paying attention to anything else around it and just saw that event it was a huge and massive moment um for what it represented it just sucks that everything else that happened around it happened yeah it's just it's an interesting thing i was talking about this on the wrestling mayhem show last night and like when we were talking about what we had learned about wrestling in 2022 and it ties into something that i feel like i've learned is that like we're starting as a wrestling audience and not that we're not messy bitches that live for the drama. We still are messy bitches that live for the drama. But I have noticed there is an increased and like more um, more immediate sense of fatigue when it comes to dealing with this drama that like we enjoy reveling in it for a time a little bit, but then we want to get back on track. And I think the conversation around Russell Queerdom like really did end up derailing so many so much of the momentum around the show and so many people's enjoyment of it but i think that fed into the fatigue of like can we just move on can we just like you know put it away put it you know put it on the shelf move on and that mentality doesn't help preserve what was really valuable about this show unfortunately yeah you're spot on that said i do believe the main event managed to get a match of the year nomination it did and that's a good segue Harley into the next category oh, because I'm a pro. there you go because we're talking match of the year next we have god so many so many matches were submitted by all of you lovely lovely listeners and readers out there but we had to narrow it down to this select few here based off of how many votes everybody got um and honestly like just looking up and down at, at the matches that we have here like this would be a amazing card in and of itself even if you did make billy dixon fight in two incredibly difficult matches on the same show um (laughs) but yeah like i i am superbly happy with the nominees we have here and those nominees are of course billy dixon versus darius carter i quit match at cassandra cup two what was billed as billy's retirement match until um he came back a few months later which obviously always welcome back billy dixon wrestling world is always better with you in it um the acclaimed versus swerve in our glory for the aw tag team titles from all out so not 
the match where they won the belts at Grand Slam, but the the match on the pay per view uh, there, um, Eva Surreal versus Vinny, the main event for Russell Queerdom, the Cassandra Cup Rumble match, which was of course uh, won by the uh, the menace to the entire queer community, Killian McMurphy. Um, I guess uh, salute the gay president there for a second. AC Mack versus Alex Shelley for the IWTV Independent Wrestling World title from Southeast First. Of course, the moment where AC Mack got that historic title win. Dark Sheik versus Edith Surreal versus Candy Lee for the Paris is Bumping Grand Prize Trophy, the historic all trans femme main event from Paris is Bumping. Effie versus John Moxley for the GCW World title from GCW Homecoming. And of course, Billy Dixon versus Hoodfoot the first all-black death match main event at GCW for the culture. Whew. It is a star-studded list, honestly. <laughs> but only one can win, and the winner this year is the acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory for the AEW Tag Team Championships at All Out. I am curious to hear your thoughts. Harley, I will go to you first. It's like it's like the least queer match on the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, no disrespect to Bowens, but uh, yeah, that's um, I, no, mm-hmm. nah, nah. No. I I would much I would personally put most of these above that one like what are we saying match of the year for what are the qualifications for match of the year is it the best match on the list is it the most important in terms of queer representation and things of that sort it's cool that bowens is defending the title at all out that the acclaimed have got to this stage in a company that has fdr and the young bucks and some of the best take teams in the world today so i guess it's it's significant it's important in that sense but I don't think it was a better match than some of these other ones and doesn't feel as important to QWI history, uh, I would say. <laughs> um, you got you to gotta look on your face. <laughs> I'm going to say something deeply uncool. Um, I think this is the right pick. Okay. Please do tell. Okay. It's not the cool pick, okay? It's not the cool pick. It's not the like purest pick in some ways, but what I think it is, is it has been chosen because of its importance, because someone who is openly, actively out, proudly out, no hiding, nothing coded, nothing vague about it, completely out to the point where him and his tag partner have a queer coded catchphrase that has been made into merchandise that is so throughout all of their stadium, appear, their arena appearances everywhere. Like people in the audience are loving it. They're the most over forces in the company aside from like your you know, EVP and like, you know, your founders of the company. So uh, this match was chosen in my mind for two reasons. One, because of its, its importance, you have a tag team, one of them, one of whom, one of the members of whom is, is very openly gay and they won the championship here. Um, against another popular tag team in a match that, for number two reason, surprised everybody, shocked everybody. 
I don't think anyone would have gone into all out. I, I didn't talk to any, anyone going into all out saying that was going to be the match of the night. But who left all out thinking that was the match of the night? I know I did. And when the dust cleared from all the shit that happened post all out, when we could no longer think about the trios medal, when we could no longer think about the new champion, the new AEW world champion, what we could absolutely rely on, what we could absolutely point to is those guys like owned that match. And, and um, wait, am I wrong? They didn't win the title then, right? No, they won the title at, at Grand Slam a few weeks later, but but still okay. it was a, like a lot of people recognize it as match of the night. It was a spiritual win. I'll put it that way, okay? Because like I could genuinely not remember when they won the title. In that night, they clinched that they would win it. Everyone who had doubted the acclaim, everyone who had doubted the appeal, their marketability, their ability to deliver was proven wrong and was happy to be proven wrong. That's the other thing. Everyone seems to be behind these guys as well. So was it my personal pick? No, actually, no. But I do think it was the right pick. I will say that. I think the, I think the people who voted on this voted it the top pick for a reason, for many reasons. And I think I think it was appropriate. I really do. It's just rare that you get that in major company pro wrestling. We're talking about cult, like pro wrestling culture defining moments. And that is a defining moment for, for queer wrestling in a major company. No, I, I 100% agree with, with that entire sentiment, honestly. Like it, it was a, a sort of a, a seminal moment, not just for the team, but also for for the community. And speaking of like the, the scissor me daddy ass stuff going on, that stuff is outside of wrestling now. Like the Philadelphia Phillies were like scissoring each other during the World Series. Like Anthony Bowens is impacting the culture at large. <laughs> so. Like it's, I, I'm not surprised at all that this was the pick from the fans. I, I will admit, I personally lean a bit more towards like Billy and Darius or AC and Alex, but that's just my own personal taste. And that's why I love doing these awards because it's not about me. I do enough stuff about me, I don't need it to be about me anymore. So, yeah, but I yes, mean, my, my personal pick would have been Billy and, and Darius because that, uh, you know long-standing long-running story slash like romance um just i i can't get enough of but yeah it's it's absolutely a credible win for that for the bachelor was chosen it really is yeah i'm just glad jeff Sherrod didn't win (laughs) (laughs) um all right so we're gonna leave the ring for just a minute here and go through some of our like out of the ring awards um Starting with the journalist slash writer of the year. I still haven't come up with a less clunky name for this category because I don't want to commit the brain power to it. But this, of course, is highlighting LGBTQ journalists, columnists, writers uh, in the wrestling media. Last year, our winner was Lizzie Flanagan, a.k.a. Lizzie Lucha. And uh, this year, she is nominated once again alongside four other outstanding uh, writers in the wrestling world, starting off with uh, Haley Ann from uh, Fightful, Wrestling Muse, and Tag Talk, Colette Aaron from uh, Fan Fight, RIP, and Big Egg, which is an outstanding substack if y'all have not uh, checked that out, um, Lizzie Flanagan, again there, and then Lo McGrath, columnist for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, also one of the queer managers-in-chief there at Pro Wrestling Vibe. 
And Paul E. Pratt, a.k.a. Pollo Del Mar, another columnist for the PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated there. Also the manager of champions because they would get very angry if I didn't mention that whenever I mentioned their name. So get ready to hear more of that. Um, and the winner this year is Pauly Pratt, Poyo Del Mar. Cool. I'm good with that. Yeah. Poyo's got a very uh, powerful lobbying force and for good reason. But I do think people sleep on Poyo as a writer and I love what Paul has been doing for PWI. I think every bit of the passion and, and devotion to pro wrestling comes out beautifully in their writing. So this is, this is a pretty inspired choice. I like that. I think there are other people on this nominee list that have more prolific writing. Like there have been do it who do more of it per month, like released in more places, do more on average, but um, I, I don't know. I like this as a pick. I like that PWI had two people nominated because that's another testament to the past couple of years, Kevin McElvaney really taking PWI in a new direction there and really embracing independent wrestling, wrestling outside of America, queer wrestling, different contributors of all different types and uh, backgrounds. And that's just, yeah, that's just cool to see as well in the same, for all the same reasons you just talked about in the previous award, right? Like it's, it's great that somebody is writing really cool stuff on a personal blog or on their own website, but to have that platform of the PWI, the wrestling magazine, takes it to another another level. No, it really does. And and I am totally in agreement with you, Harley. It's been amazing to see this this shift in in the PWI scope and its focus and it's frankly it's openness to cover um, areas of pro wrestling that are emerging that haven't really gotten that i get at, in terms of like mainstream in terms of wrestling media appeal you know and to see them lean so hard into that and to see kevin put that mission really into work because it can be very easy to, to give lip service to marginalized communities that then kind of fall flat on the follow-through but kevin and the team there have really done a lot to in, in a way, modernize the PWI to, to serve all facets of the wrestling community as opposed to just people who watch the major promotions. Well, with that, I think we can move on to a category that is uh, very near and dear to y'all's heart. Uh, we have the podcast slash content creator of the year award. This has changed a little bit from last year. Last year it was just podcasts, but I wanted to get, show some love to the the Twitch streamers and the YouTubers and the people that produce all kinds of great wrestling content alongside uh, all the amazing people doing podcasts out there as well. And uh, the nominees for this year, oddly enough, this is one of the categories where the winner last year was not nominated again. Uh, last year, Weekend at Effie's was the winner, and this year they're not on the ballot. Um, so we're guaranteed a new winner, at least. I was very excited to see that Effie was not on the ballot. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe we have a shot. <laughs> well, your nominees are The Church of Joshi, The Golden Era Podcast, Grit and Glitter, Pope's Point of View with Elijah Burke and Poyo Del Mar, 
and ring the bell. And the winner for 2022 is ring the bell. I, I trust me. I feel, I, I, I am deeply, let me just extend my sorrows to y'all for having you on the show and y'all didn't win. And I apologize for that. Um, I, I, Feel really feel bad. Catfished. <laughs> yeah, every year you do this, Brian. Every year you do it's this to a, me. I just <laughs> I wanted to spend some time with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's a it's an honor to be nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it's it's really fair. Like anyone on this list um, is justifiably on this list for a reason. Um, and um, I don't. I know I'm not like consistent tune in when it comes to ring the bell, but like I can see why people pick it. Honestly, I really can. Yeah, I'm not salty. I'm just, in, I find it interesting that uh, sort of like three awards in a row now have gone to arguably the person with the biggest platform, you know? An AEW That's- match beat out independent matches, a PWI writer beat out some other writers. Ring the Bell is hosted by a former WWE personality who interviews WWE divas. It's just yeah. interesting. But, okay, but I'm going to put a positive spin on it, okay? So, yes, and I mean, I know that you and I come from, like, you know, in addition to being in wrestling, both of you and I have, like, indie music backgrounds and stuff like that, and, like, we're used to kind of prizing the, like, the underdogs and the, the lesser brands, et cetera. But we also have to remember, like, there's an important conversation here that is about, you know, what becomes more mainstream and what gets more like, you know, what what are a lot more people's attention paying? Like, what are they paying attention to? And how does what does that, that speak to um, representation in a wider culture? And with pro wrestling, you're already kind of isolated. You're already kind of like in this like, you know, sub like subculture. Um, so you add, you know, you further isolate when it comes to queer wrestling except that in recent years it's becoming more and more into the mainstream of that of that subculture so that's a good thing and wins like this really show that because like there's people actively voting for this that maybe weren't as familiar with any like you know anyone affiliated with the queer community in wrestling in a in a year or two prior so like i think it, it could be a stupid positive thing yeah but plus the- we deserve to <laughs> I'm not going to disagree, but I will say that uh, Ring the Bell definitely uh, is is a deserving one of the team up there with DS Shin and Joey Mayberry and Paloma Star. They do some really fun fun stuff too. And honestly, like I I would have been happy with any of the the nominees here winning. They all I love like it's such a different dynamic between each show too like you have like church of joshi which is so focused on japanese women and then y'all show which is focused on you know marginalized genders in the way that it is and the just how like different the topics that y'all cover are times like i don't i haven't seen other podcasts covering like wrestlers with only fans you know like y'all y'all touch on some really interesting stuff and then golden era podcast another great podcast focused on women's wrestling and then uh the Pope and Poyo Del Mar just shooting the shit <laughs> doing what they do. So yeah, like I, I don't know. I just love the diversity of, of nominees that came up this year. It's a really diverse within a diverse category. Like I think that's really cool. Yeah. 
All right, well, we're going to go back to some wrestler-focused awards now. We're going to jump into Rookie of the Year, which was won by uh, one Kid Bandit last year. And we have seen what Kid Bandit has done <laughs> since winning that award. We have a list of uh, top-notch nominees here. Um, and I guess we can just kind of go through this real quick and see who comes out as the Rookie of the Year for 2022. Uh, so, nominees for Rookie of the Year are Amira, who uh, is a, a young wrestler out here on the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, who has been absolutely killing it. Same can be said for Lara Frazier, the former Skipper Lauren, uh, outstanding non-binary wrestler in uh, California, Washington, that area. Nick Pierce, the former hot ref, now uh, turned into a uh, very stellar uh, burgeoning pro wrestler in the Northeast. Rico Gonzalez, the uh, pride of WWA4 down in Atlanta, and who has been just all over the country this year, honestly. And Playboy Zay Perez, another Pacific Northwester Westerner that uh, made the list here. One half of the tag team, Flamin' Aces, um, who has had a, a really fun a rookie campaign for himself. Um, I was I was kind of surprised that there were so many Pacific Northwest and West Coast people nominated for this one, but it's a happy surprise. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of really new names on this, which I I I love because you know you know we have a breakout star category and our our equivalent on the glitter bombs and like I I feel like the names that we get submitted this is nothing against our listeners, but I think I feel like I'm really familiar with those names, right? And then I get to see a list like this, and I'm like. Ooh, so a couple of people's names I've seen, a couple of people I'm a little bit more familiar with, but like then there are people like Rico Gonzalez and that I'm I'm super not familiar with or Amira, but I've recently picked up on Laura Frazier and I really like what I see. So I'm curious who won this one, Brian? So the winner of the rookie of the year won Mr. Rico Gonzalez. One of the ones I, I wasn't super familiar with. So tell me a little <laughs> bit more about Rico. So Rico, um, obviously, it, it trained at WWA4 in Atlanta, um, has been working a lot in the Southeast region, is a major part of the Southeast first takeover of Uncharted Territory this year. He's basically spent the entire run of that show feuding with Ashton Starr and Bobby Flacco um, before him and Ashton have now teamed up as a tag team called The Re-Up. Uh, because they're both Nicki Minaj stands, of course. And, um, <laughs> and but, but Rico has had like a really big like year for himself, especially for one for someone who's kind of so young in the business as well. You know, they made their GCW debut at the Big Gay Brunch in Dallas in that big scramble match, the international scramble, and then came back and appeared on GCW proper when they ran in Atlanta. Um, you know, he was um, he's wrestled for action wrestling. Uh, he went up to uh, Ohio Wrestling Alliance and some stuff. Him and Ashton went up to freelance just this month and challenged for the freelance tag team titles. Like Rico has has done uh, put a lot of miles on 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 the road this year and continuing to do so uh, and it's been really awesome to see him continue to grow and really build a fan base behind himself because I feel like Rico sometimes might hey so Whenever you have like two wrestlers who are in a relationship together, sometimes it can be very hard to kind of, especially if you're like someone who has less of a profile or less of experience than the partner you're with, it can be very easy to kind of exist in, in the shadow, so to speak. And, you know, Rico and, and AC Mack are, you know, 
together and it can be and so much so that Rico was calling himself the first gentleman of IWTV um, or some people were out of Rico was calling it himself that, but um, it was amazing to see that Rico was able to kind of break out of that association with AC Mack and really stand on his own two feet. And, and for someone being so young in the business and, and getting the opportunities that he has, everybody that I've spoken to that is like ridden with Rico or worked with Rico has spoken volumes about his attention to detail and his like his desire to just learn as much and his commitment to learning as much as he can. So it's top notch, uh, Rico, uh, good job. And I, it's, it's a perfect choice. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the, the rundown from this year and realizing like, I've actually seen Rico way more than I thought I had. Um, he's really, really cool. Um, so, I mean, just making your mark all over the place and really traveling, doing that, like doing that due diligence of like really like running the territories and like making your name in various um, big indies. Like, I mean, that's a big deal, like making presence at Beyond and GCW and I'm an action and like, uh, that's just, yeah, I can see why people voted that way. That's a that's a really stellar pick. I can't wait to see what he does in 2023. Yeah, plus he's just a great high flyer in the ring, yeah. like in, in itself. So also would be remiss if I didn't mention he was also in the Cassandra Cup Rumble. He did enter there mm-hmm. too. So he, he's been debuting all over the place and, and I love to see it. Honestly, shout out to all five of these people. Like they've all been killing it this year and I can't wait to see what they do in the years to come. I'm very excited by the inclusion of Laura Frazier. I've been really impressed by what they've been delivering this year from what I've seen. And I'm excited to catch up on what they have to offer in 2023. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and of course that moves to breakout star of the year, which is kind of outside of rookie someone who's already kind of established, but just on the come up, ready to take that next step. Uh, last year, this award was won by uh, Brooke Valentine, and uh, she had a really awesome year for herself this year, you know, debuting in a number of places as well as wrestling for Women's Wrestling Army, which is awesome to see. But uh, this year's nominees are, uh, I think, uh, are going to meet the the criteria for that, that Brooke set up for, for the follow-up here. So nominees for Breakout Star of the Year are Angelo Carter. Anton Voorhees, one half of the caution. I should also mention Angelo Carter, one half of the network. Um, Juniper Gates, awesome uh, trans wrestler out of the, the Midwest. Kita, the absolute king of the West Coast right now. And Sandra Moon, who I don't even know what else you can say about Sandra Moon. She's just been all over the place this year, winning belts in multiple states and just outstanding stuff. So the winner of breakout star of the year is sandra moon yeah that's 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 scans i'm curious like to to get your thoughts like did do you feel like you said it scans like how how do you how does that feel for you i think it makes sense um because breakout star of the year to me often means like who enters that conversation more and more who's like you know, having those big breakout moments. And obviously Sandra Moon had that big match with Effie that like made us have a conversation and like, but it was also, you know, it's a stellar match in its own right, aside from controversy. Um, so it, it makes sense. The, the, the breakout star of the year is such an interesting category because you have people like Sandra Moon, you have people like Katie, you have people like Juniper Case, you're people who are like in the early years of their career, right? 
And then mm-hmm. you have someone on this list like Anton Voorhees, who's been wrestling for like 15 fucking years. Yeah. But yeah. you can't argue with it because it's not rookie, it's breakout. And like if you gotta if it takes 15 years for you to get to be a considered a breakout star, well, I like I'm surprised it took people this long, but I'm glad they're catching up because Anton is just like a force to be reckoned with and been been doing it for so long. Um, it feels it's a really interesting category to see to see him in. Yeah, like I was I was happy to see Anton get as much love as he as he did in the initial round of nominations because like this has been like probably the biggest year nationally for Anton in his career. Like mm-hmm. obviously out here on the West Coast and, and in the Bay, real especially, like people know Anton. They've known Anton for years at this point. It's a cornerstone of Hood Slam. His tag team with Dark Sheik, the caution, has been one of the most uh, popular uh attractions out here for a long time but of course like he finally got to make a gcw debut this year mm-hmm. with alongside yeah. dark she gets bussy and i feel like that match did something just that catapulted anton to new opportunities i would love to see him get more shots outside of the west coast but but yeah outstanding stuff and sandra just to talk a little bit more about sandra like it makes total sense for this pick you know they they've made mm-hmm. she's been doing work like all over the country this year, like appearances with AEW appearances with impact wrestling. Like it's just, and it's amazing to think that she's only like 21, 22 years old and she's already like five, six years in the game. And she's at this point um, for herself. I, I don't know. I, I would have been, I, I can, I feel like I'm going to keep saying this every category for the most part, but like I would have been happy with any of these people winning because they're all deserving. But Sandra has just been on a different level this year. Yeah. And I mean, it, I think the GCW bump really does a lot. I think um, the speed does a lot. Um, I, I think that she has been really smart about her, her major company appearances and balancing those with like some high credibility, high attention matches and some high profile independence, which, you know, is a, is a really good, good way to get your name out there is a great way to build your cred as like your star rises. Um, she, she's not just a good wrestler, but she seems to have a really good take on how to build her career, which is, is awesome. It's like what you need. Yeah, exactly. Very, very smart. Yeah. Well, um, with that, we'll move to our, our next category, the moment of the year. Of course, this is celebrating um, the the moments that stand out from the year that have cultural impact that just make you want to run through a brick wall because you're so excited or so amped from them. like Or they're just highly, highly emotional little pieces of fragments of the year that you just want to put on your shelf and remember for a long time to come. And uh, the nominees here do not disappoint <laughs> at all. Like, I feel like this year was so full of these moments, whether it be like historic firsts or, um, you know, amazing instances of representation or just killer matches that are and, and moments in matches that were just filled with emotion. Um, so your nominees for the moment of the year for 2022 are AC Mac winning the IWTV independent wrestling world title at Southeast first um, the acclaimed winning the AEW tag team titles at AEW dynamite grand slam Poyo del Mar power bombing Joey Janela 
at GCW Devil in a New Dress. Billy Dixon kicks out at one against Hoodfoot in their uh, all-black death match at GCW for the culture, which, of course, produced that iconic image of Billy screaming in Hoodfoot's face that I have. Uh, every time I see it, it makes me just want to throw fists at anything around me. Killian McMurphy entering the Cassandra Cup Rumble number one and winning the whole damn thing and becoming the uh, the new gay president. And then the first all-trans femme main event at Paris is bumping the Legends Ball, featuring Dark Sheik, Edith Surreal, and Candy Lee, as well as Ref Crystal. So every single person in the ring for that match, trans femme. Just outstanding moment there. And the winner for this one goes to the first all-trans femme main event at Paris is bumping, <laughs> the Legends Ball. Wow. After uh, acclaimed one match of the year, I thought for sure they were going to pick up this one too. Yeah, it was a. I don't normally like talk about like how closer like or deep the the votes vote counts were, but like this one was a, a close one for a number of these. Like I feel like um, I think this uh, the acclaimed and um, and AC Mac were like neck and neck towards the end, but um, but. The first all trans feminine event pulls it out and wins moment of the year. I mean, we're yeah, always on board I, with women's wrestling winning an award. Of course. Yes. Right. Like, I'm all about this. I think this was the right pick. I think this, again, um, you know, we can talk about the historic nature of the acclaim winning, you know, major company tag team titles. Um, but I, for pure history's sake and for like big, big moments and um, in the midst of like a, just a powerful, community event um this was this was the best pick i think i think the voters chose chose absolutely correctly yeah i'm I'm right there with you like this was just such a powerful image just especially that image at the after the match was over and you had them in the ring with billy holding the flag and them all with their bouquets and just the the four of them together and what that really represented was just amazing all right, Jens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show 
the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. We'll move to our feud of the year here. A um, lot of lot of heated heated things here in this category. Uh, so our nominees are Billy Dixon versus Darius Carter, which Jesus Christ, they tried to murder each other. Dark Sheik versus Nick Xander, which was a, a feud from out here in Agua on in the Bay Area that was really really on fire over the uh, that lovely uh oakland championship or as as dark she calls it the she making her the champion of all sharks um uh effie versus jeff jarrett which there's some shade <laughs> there effie single-handedly making jeff jarrett relevant again Hillian mcmurphy versus the entire lgbtq community which even if it doesn't win this category, just the fact that I get to say that out loud makes it a winner in my book. And Matteo Valentine versus Joey Mayberry, a very heated feud out in the Chicagoland area this year. So with that being said, the winner for Feud of the Year, there's just something about whenever Effie ends up going up against somebody. Effie versus Jeff Jarrett. Is the winner no. for the of the year? I said, I said weeks ago, if Jeff Jarrett wins one of these awards before us, uh, I'm oh so sorry, God. Harley. Was it even a feud? Wasn't it just one match? It was one match, but like it kind of had this. You had the moments where like Jarrett would show up randomly, the lights would go down, and he would kabong Effie with the guitar, and then they had the one match at World on GCW back in January, and then. Effie would then Jeff wouldn't step in the ring with Effie again, no matter what Effie tried to do. All right. Well, I look forward to next year when Mark Marrow versus Ali Catch wins Feud of the Year. This is fine. <laughs> I, 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 there's a pattern to how these feuds run for Effie and GCW, and I'm not opposed to patterns. Okay, it, it, they all have some flair, but like. I thought it was better when, in, like, I liked this. I thought that was better and more interesting than Jeff Jarrett. I, like, it's fine. I don't know. It's I cool. just don't like the pattern that's starting to emerge here. Not necessarily, there's nothing against Effie or like the feuds or anything. I, I do enjoy seeing like these, these moments that Effie gets to rub shoulders with legends and kind of make his own mark on them and elevate them in the way that he does. But Last year's winner was Effie versus Matt Cardona, as, as we can all remember, which was a, a, an interesting choice then, and we have another interesting choice here. But that does not take away anything from Effie. I will just want to say that. Well, that's, I mean, that's a gift. That's a gift. But there's a reason it's on this list to begin with. And, like, the power of Effie is known. Like, it's inarguable. Uh, there's a reason why Effie is going to be like in most of these categories, right? <laughs> like Effie's yeah. a fucking star. Um, 
that being said, a feud of the year, I don't know. I need more on my feuds than that. I need more. I think some a lot of these other feuds just delivered so much more compelling and long-term storytelling, like long-term. I mean, they've been doing Billy and Darius for a while now throughout various promotions and 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 things existing and then not existing and then changing hands and then changing names and changing locations and and you know, late like still in the height of COVID, there was there was storytelling being done with this feud and into like, you know, our late COVID era where there's actually shows. Like I just I that would have been my feud of the year because it's evergreen, it continues running. Um, we've seen tremendous stuff from both of these performers, aside from this feud, which has fed directly back into the feud. Um, yeah, that would have been would have been my personal pick, but I'm a little biased because I love both of these guys. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Effie versus token other <laughs> dudes. <laughs> It's, like, who's yeah. Effie? Who Effie versus which mm-hmm. former WWE superstar next year? Oh Lord, let's see. Uh, who who hasn't Triple H signed back to the company? Let me think. Yeah, I know, right? God, this is put me on the spot now. Um, you know what? It actually, I actually might want to see this match, Effie and Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, you, but even that, I'd be like more okay with than this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if Dustin came back out as Gold Dust? What if Effie came out with his gold dust? Oh. Okay, I, I'm sold. Yeah, I'm, I'm sold. in. 100%. Take my money. I will say before we move on to the next category, I will especially push that people check out the Dark Sheik and Xander matches from Agua, as well as Mateo Valentine and Joey Mayberry had a beauty supply match in Chicago-style wrestling that was just uh, hardcore glamorous. You want to see somebody get dropped toe-holded into like a a decorative nightstand uh you'll see it it's a fun one for sure um so that's gonna bring us to best look uh which i told him this last year harley but i'm not above uh copying where people get stuff right and i think that best look is one of the most fun categories that y'all do and it is very fitting for the, the queer community to to go all out and extra in how they put themselves out there. And all of these nominees do that to a T uh, in their own defining ways. Our nominees for best look are Ali Catch, Dark Sheik, Devon Monroe, uh, Black's Excellence. I, have to, I, I feel like I always have to say that. Eddie McQueen, Edith Surreal, Effie, Joey Mayberry, Juniper Gates, Kid Bandit, and Pollo Del Mar. And this is another category where the winner last year did not get nominated again. Um, We'll talk more about that, though, in a minute, because our winner for the second time tonight, Pollo Del Mar. So uh, something occurred to me when I was reviewing this uh, earlier today, I was kind of looking over some of the contenders in this particular category. And of course, a bunch of, of these names are familiar to us from our own from our, our own awards and they get nominated from our listeners as well. Um, many of our listeners are your listeners, so that makes sense. Um, but I tell you what, Poyo is a great choice. Something that I really always admire about how Poyo styles for um, wrestling is marrying the classic wrestling manager ballet look. You're like, like peak era Sherry Martin, or even like, you know, 
what what ballets and managers look like in the in like the early 90s or mid 90s of wrestling with a very devout and very definitive drag style a drag like camp look and so it's married in a way that like works so well and is so cleverly designed and every year I think Poyos comes more and more into their own with this look um every time there's any kind of evolution of it it looks even more right on spot on for what they're attempting to achieve with it it's so modern um it's so neat like it's it's a really neat mash of things and it's done from the perspective of somebody who has such a rich understanding of both the art forms that they're meshing together in this looking gear that they they put together um so i really like this book pick i there's other people on here that you know i voted for in our own polls but Poyo, like it's a she, stellar looks stellar stellar looks and and more clever than you'll than you think like you have to like really think about what they're wearing and like and look at it compared to the reference points and it's stunning yeah you can tell that that Poyo grew up on like mid-south and continental and like that sherry Machel era that luna vashan era um and the sort of stuff and mixing and also how she tailors looks to who she's managing like she looks completely different when within pr or the agenda versus when she's on nwa with thrill billy you know, mm-hmm. like it's, I it's, love, I love the look yeah. of Drill Billy. I love that look. I think it's so, it's like one of the few things in NWA that I'm like into right now. <laughs> Harley, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Ryan, who won this one last year? Max the Impaler. Ah, Max the Impaler also won Favorite Looker Gear and the Glitter Bombs last year. Oh. And like you said, was not nominated this year. Mm. Which is interesting. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I wonder if voters get used to something. You know, they need like something new to really shock them and climb to the top of their list. That's interesting. The only crossover between your list and our voters was Edith Surreal, who is nominated for Favorite Local Gear in the Glitter Bombs this year. Mm. Oh, sorry. I don't want to be, yeah. See, I don't want to be disruptive in every single one of these categories. Mm. But and we and we're on the record of loving Poyo, up and down. We know that. Yes. I wonder if it's controversial for someone who is predominantly not a wrestler to win a category like this. Do they have a handicap in their favor in the sense that people like Ali Catch and Devon Monroe need to come up with a look that slays, but is also functional? to be doing flips and bumps consistently for 15, 20 minutes at a time. Is does someone who only bumps occasionally like Poyo, do they have an advantage? You raise a very interesting point, Harley. And I don't know if, if voters take that into context per se, especially considering that like, and again, like no shade to the manager of champions. Obviously I absolutely adore Poyo. But like you, you look at like what people like Dark Sheik and Eddie McQueen and and Devon and Edie, and even Kid Bandit with all the anime inspired stuff that she's been doing this year. Like that, My Hero Academia look is on point. Um, what they do to like take those looks and turn them into something functional while still maintaining their the uh, the the inspiration of what they're trying to do. Like I look at like Dark Sheik's uh, Emma Frost look as one of those that is just like breathtaking, but still looks 
just as great whenever you know she's flying all over the place um and like Poyo looks really good whenever she's going through a t- through a table i will say that for sure <laughs> or a door rather but still i know it, it is a very interesting way to like angle to take and, and look at it in that way i i can honestly say like i hadn't even really thought about it in that in that way so now you're making me think harley yeah it's a really good point harley i haven't thought about it in that way but these things have to do different things for different wrestlers i mean even comparing wrestling styles is really kind of important like someone who works a much more power style is going to need something out of their gear that someone who works a high flying style isn't going is is, they're going to be different than everything so that breaks it down even further like does someone who has technical prowess have an advantage on someone who has to like jump through the air and like you know fly off of things like there's a lot of ways to look at it um so i think that different wrestlers have different advantages over other wrestlers when it comes to like what their gear style can be and the flexibility that they have there I just really enjoyed the artistry of what Poyo is bringing to her looks and, you know, the, the specific melding of references. I feel like it's, they're very memorable and very interesting and very unique and they change over time and evolve constantly. Um, so, and I think also I'll make the argument that one thing that Poyo does require because she manages so many different, and as Brian mentioned, like she adapts her style to who she's managing. She has to have a lot of different looks. And for someone, a performer like Poyo, it's not just the, clothing that she puts on but it's the makeup she uses and the hair she has on and everything the pre- the entire presentation has to change depending on who she's with so that's like that's extra work that she has to do that you know Allie cast doesn't necessarily have to do yeah although i will commend ali in particular for the al calderon look at the cassandro cup that was just uh, mm-hmm. pure bliss yeah, <laughs> just... I, mean, I mean no 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 disrespect to to uh to Madam uh, Catch, I, I believe me, don't want to get on her bedside. But uh, oh no, <laughs> but no, I. But I, I think that their point stands. It's like I think everybody has advantages and disadvantages when it comes to like what they can do with their gear and their looks, and um, it's it's interesting to weigh those against each other. But I hadn't really thought about like the flexibility a manager or valet has versus somebody who has to actually perform actively in the ring a lot. Um, but I do think there's an offset there. I do think that Foyo brings something that she has balances with the others, the others in her gear that other people don't have to worry about. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this, this year is just, I love how people are just continuing to step up the looks too. Like this, this gets harder and harder to decide every year. It's so good. Um, all right. That's going to bring us to a couple more um, non-wrestler awards here. Our last couple of non-wrestler awards uh, before we head into some of the, the heavy hitters. So voice of the year, this is a new category that we split off from personality of the year because we wanted to kind of highlight announcers, commentators, play-by-play people, uh, color commentary people, uh, and um, as well as you know anybody who is really good with a mic in their hand in a non-wrestling role for the most part here, in a presentation role, so to speak. Uh, and their nominees for voice of the year this year are Rose of Joe Brody, uh, out of Hood Slam, Jay Rose out of all over the fucking place, um, Caleb Braxton from WWE, Val Capone, announcer extraordinaire at uh, Freelance, as well as a number of other uh, independent promotions, Warrior Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Vibe, GCW, and of course, Beta Scott, probably the most prolific uh commentator out on the independence right now doing their thing all over the country 
And your winner for voice of the year, I think will be very uh, good for y'all to see considering the relationship that y'all have seen with them through the glitter bombs. It's Veda. Two-time glitter bomb award winner (laughs) in, uh, in the category we call outstanding performer in a non-wrestling role, which encapsulates commentators and managers and referees and the like. But yeah, Veda won the category the last two years. They are in the top five nominees this year, along with Val Capone. Uh, I can't spoil that, but uh, you'll find out on our podcast this coming Tuesday. Yeah, they are such a consistent force in that category that I feel like one day we will just rename the category the Veda Strat Award. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it makes total sense. Veda continues doing great work everywhere and is is really like um you know made the vow to do more commentary work and then made it happen and made that impression known. Like I I yeah, and I, I think the way that they do commentary also really like is singularly them and it really it's aided and abetted by by their online presence and like the stuff they do on their streams and everything. So it allows you to know a commentator in a way that you don't really know a lot of commentators and like and that fits because you know fits also with their wrestling background. Like just I don't know. I feel like when Veda is on commentary, you you feel like you have someone much more familiar on commentary to you than than your average commentary person. Like I do think you feel like we know this person more than we know others. Yeah, Veda is just special. And and there's a reason why they keep winning these awards whenever they get nominated. So uh someone signed Veda Scott. Damn it. Come on. Give her right. high profile commentary work. Come on. Yeah. They killed it on AEW during that women's tag team tournament last year. I, one of my dreams would be that if like ROH ever does get a consistent like some kind of t- actual TV deal, whether it's you know streaming somewhere specific or you know something legit, I would love to see them bring Beta on as a consistent and like continuous presence in the commentary team because I really think she would have that. Di- they would have dynamite chemistry with um, Ian Rickabani. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's going to bring us to Personality of the Year, which is uh, the award for non-wrestlers uh like managers valets all that good stuff uh that we and referees as well uh that we had last year of course won by Boyo del mar who reminds you that she won that award any chance that she gets and i love her for it uh so much free publicity for this show thank you Poyo. um <laughs> but uh this year uh we have a, a really Awesome uh, crop of nominees. So the nominees for Personality of the Year are Aubrey Edwards, a AEW referee, uh, Ref Crystal, of course, part of that uh, all trans fam main event at Paris is bumping, but also doing a lot of uh, independence up in the Northeast. Halston Body, who is a manager as well as a commentator at times out in California and on the West Coast. Uh, Nick Pierce, who was nominated for his referee work before he shed the stripes and stepped into the ring himself uh, back at Paris uh, at uh, Pride and Vibe weekend. Paul Del Mar, the manager of champions, uh, last year's winner, and Washington Heights, uh, drag queen extraordinaire, pops up with pro wrestling vibe from time to time, uh, and is outstanding in in her own right. And the winner 
for personality year in 2022. Can't kill a good thing. Poyle Del Mar. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but I don't I say that with no shade. Yeah, she yeah. she deserves it. Yeah. Um if anybody wants to take this category next year, I think they just really have to step their game up. They really have to work hard or get one of those uh, you know, call up the claim and say, hey, do you guys uh, need a new manager? Get get a bigger platform. Yeah, I mean, we already said it all. <laughs> There's a yeah. And again, Poyo's got a very, very like ardent fan base, a very dedicated fan base, um, cultivated over multiple different forms of media from streaming to, you know, just good old fashioned like wrestling promotions. Um, there's some of it is just undeniable, like personality of the year. Well, you you build a fan base by by being out there. So yeah, Poyo's among the best of them in any in any project. Um so yeah, makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. No, I'm I'm right there with you. Is like the the pick makes sense, and uh, Poyo gets another year to uh, to go out there and and roll with that personality of the year title again. So, congratulations to all the nominees. Poyo Domar uh, gets to hold on to that throne for another year. Um, now we're getting into the the final four awards here, the heavy hitters awards for for wrestlers, I would say. Um, and we're going to start that off with tag team of the year, which for this you needed at least one member of the tag team to be out LGBTQ. Doesn't have to be all LGBTQ, um, but outstanding list of nominees here. Last year this was won by Bussy um, because Effie wins everything, um, but. But we have a uh, awesome stack of nominees this year. Uh, and those nominees are the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, Bussy, Effie and Alley Catch, The Caution, Dark Sheik and Anton Voorhees, The Flame and Aces, Zay Perez and Spencer Scott out here in the Pacific Northwest, The Kings of the District, Jordan Blade and Il O'Neal, Money, Power, Respect, Marco Mayor and Fabuloso Fabricio, clients of Pollo Del Mar. MSP, Agro and Danger Kid, who just are outstanding in the Northeast. Milo Boo Barbie, uh, Milo and Barbie Boy, a really fun team out here on the West Coast and in the Las Vegas area. Uh, the production, Ziggy Hyam and Derek Dillinger, the current reigning Id Joy Wrestling Tag Team Champions. And The Runway, Tyler Klein and Calvin Couture, uh, Rise Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Another we get we got a lot of Pittsburgh flavor here on on the nominee list for for UM. And the winner this year, the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. Yeah, again, like is it my top pick? No. Like, are my are they my absolute favorites? No. But does it make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes sense in a large, in a large degree. It, again, we come back to the question of like, who had the greatest impact on pro wrestling from the queer community? And you don't really get a much bigger impact than a tag team championship holder being openly out and gay and proud and like being celebrated by their promotion. So. And AEW has a good track record with this, actually. It's like one of the few things that they get consistently right. I mean, you know, some wrestlers are buried just for other reasons, but like on that point, they're, they really do okay. So 
but the tag division AW is important here. I think this is also like you mentioned this, but like it bears repeating. This isn't a tag team titles in WWE. This is even tag team titles in Impact. This is this is a company that was founded by a dominant tag team that you know that made tag wrestling exciting for everyone who was who was watching anything but WWE. So tag tag wrestling has always been taken very seriously. It's in the foundations of AEW. So for this team to hold that championship, it means something. It really does mean something. Um, so I get it. I get it. My pick, no. But the pick, sure. Yeah, like I that's that's where I landed. Like I've I've loved watching the acclaims rise from what looking at this from like the the amount of responses that we got and having it be such a wide array of, of people, like it makes sense that the acclaim would be the choice just because of the profile, you know, being on AWTV, having the AW tag team titles and the significance of them having those titles, like you said. Yeah. Um, like it makes total sense. Every I I love each and every tag team that's on this list, and they've all had outstanding years in their own right. Any of them, I think, would have deserved to win uh, for the most part. And but there's just something special about what Bowens and Caster are doing right now. Like it, and then and I love that it all kind of hinges on this this taunt that is so for the queers that <laughs> this subversively infiltrated all the entire AEW zeitgeist and, and into regular culture as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And and you also, they also turned Billy Gunn into like the biggest like ally. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people say it, but this might be the most over Billy Gunn has been in like 25 years. I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah for real for real so also like, it, I, oh sorry go ahead what an achievement <laughs> <laughs> and also i i love the fact that like that billy gunn for the second time now is involved in a queer coded thing like like thinking about like the billy and chuck stuff that happened back in like oh two and then now to to this point where he's part of the, the scissor me daddy ass thing it's just i don't know it's a it's an interesting journey for for one mr gunn you, you know what I, I i love that this is a conversation that we're having in 2022 about <laughs> the major company tag wrestling i really do i love that that <laughs> and that's a like that speaks to the importance of this like you know in a world of pro wrestling where everything we're finding important the average person could care less about this is really meaningful and people know who the acclaimed are and if you are someone who follows pro wrestling like just even just the major companies, you know the acclaimed. And that means that you know a gay wrestler. And that's fucking cool. That is really fucking cool. Yes. Yes, it is. We're going to go into the Flowers Award. Now, this is the kind of cultural impact award, the out of the ring award, uh, so to speak. Although in ring does play into it a bit. It's, it's who has had the most cultural impact for the, the LGBTQ community through the vessel of pro wrestling. Last year, Sonny Kiss won this award, and another one where the winner last year is not nominated this year. Uh, nominations are Anthony Bowens, Billy Dixon, Dark Sheik, Effie, Giselle Shaw, Kid Bandit, Millhouse Malat, who I know I will clarify this real quick that he is the founder of uh, pride style pro in las vegas um nyla rose poyle del mar and you Ishino, uh 
the former Kagetsu in stardom. Um, so with all that being said, the award once again goes to Poyo Delmar. Oh yeah, you gotta stand back. Let someone else win something. <laughs> I know you're like a million feet tall, so it's hard, but like maybe go to the back of the room for a minute. What do the QWI awards look like? Ours are pins. You guys have like rings or something? Honestly, I don't I don't have anything physical right now. I've been meaning to do something, but like I I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, because if they were <laughs> if they were like rings, like Hall of Fame rings, God, Poyo would have a whole fist just from the Oh ceiling. yeah. You would have to get Poyo like a, a necklace to like wear all the rings. Oh god, a, a Drake necklace dedicated to the 42 <laughs> times I almost proposed but didn't. <laughs> no, but I, I Poyo is an awesome choice for this award because like of all the work that that she does. Like obviously like work on screen as in a role as manager and sometimes commentator but also behind the scenes and uh, mentoring so many talents and and really trying to elevate as many people as, as she can through her work and and uh, it makes total sense why Poyo would would win this award mm-hmm. oh sure yeah so congratulations yeah. Poyo Domar <laughs> my soft Sorry. spot goes to Yurishino because we're, we're all huge fans of Kagetsu during their time in stardom, during his time in stardom. And even when Kagetsu wasn't outly LGBTQ, it was still like, you could, you could kind of sense it, I guess. I don't know if that's rude to say, but you had, you had like a feeling stardom is in Japan, wrestling in general, very close about kayfabe and things like that. And at, at all but Kigetsu was the top of the pack for years and years there and so having them retire and then come out as male and transition afterwards is really cool because even in now in 2022 how many trans men are there in wrestling right now yeah there's not a lot less than five probably right right I think it's right around that number probably a little bit more but still it's a small small number Mm -hmm. we've talked about this and I feel like the number is growing a little bit but it's I mean, it, the number of trans women wrestlers is dwarfing the number of trans male wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Getsu. I am so excited for you being able to uh, live his truth and be able to do that without, you know, having be able to do all of this on their terms, on his terms. Um, yeah. And I mean, Getsu was my, one of my first wrestling crushes. So like, Damn right. Awesome. I would have loved that. <laughs> yeah, I was really happy to see that the fans uh, put uh, you, you know, on, on the ballot this year. Just an outstanding moment whenever he, he came out in the, in the way that he did. And, and especially in, in the environment like you touched on, Harley, in, in Japan, where we don't see a lot of like not only like LGBTQ, but especially trans representation outside of like someone like Vinny. You know, so uh, awesome to see. But that kind of leads us into our, our next award, a, a new award this year, Interna- International Wrestler of the Year, um, because uh, one of the major critiques I got last year was that these awards seemed a lot like very American centric. And that's because I think a lot of the people that voted in it 
are American. So I wanted to make sure that we had a category for outside of America here this time around. And of course, these are all still fan dominated. So these aren't people that I put down here. These are people that you all thought belonged uh, among the top international wrestlers of the year in 2022. The nominees are Tandy Lee, Cassius, Charlie Evans, Che Monet, Harley Hudson, Jetta, Priscilla, Sky Smithson, Vinny, or Asuka, depending on where you are, and Visage. And the winner, uh, and I'm pretty sure this is no surprise to some people because of all of the tweets that I saw her posting, Miss Candy Lee is the winner for International Wrestler of the Year. It was a big year for Candy Lee. It was. She voted for herself multiple times. <laughs> Good job, Candy. Yes. No. I say that just because she kept tweeting about it. I love Candy. This is adorable. But like it was just a just a, a outstanding year for her, like coming to the States finally after being gone for so long and, and making her Paris's bumping debut after all the vignettes and then, and then adding another championship at the end of the year and like went out there in New Zealand too, just like just killing it when she stepped into the ring. That's the thing, uh, getting any sort of high profile while being based out of New Zealand. That's a testament, you know, mm-hmm. no disrespect to the British wrestlers, but it would have been very easy for one of the British wrestlers to, walk away with the win here or one of the Japanese wrestlers because so much of American wrestling media does focus on those countries as well. New Zealand, I can't tell you any other New Zealand wrestlers besides Candy. Uh, Jay White. <laughs> oh, right, that guy. Oh, I'm Jay White. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really fucking tired. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, just, I love the Jay White impression. It's stayed in the brain but no real quick one thing i love about the nominees here is that most of the nominees in this category are of marginalized gender whether it be uh, women or or non-binary people and that was one thing that i was so pleased to see come out of of this nomination process like it's i don't know it's just really cool to see the the diversity amongst the the nominees here that's really cool and i hope that like just by having these names shouted out on this list, like it encourages whoever's listening to like to seek out these specifically international talent because um, that's not always, we don't always have our scope set um, to finding that, that talent because we're not watching things that are from, you know, overseas. So I think it's useful for me. So I'm hoping it's useful for other people. I think it's great to have that list. Yes, I 100% agree there. More people should put more eyes outside of their own regions of pro wrestling to see what's out there because there's some really rad stuff going on. Ian Hudson, and, though, Harleys are 0 2 on the night. Oh, yeah. Well, that brings us to the the top award here. I guess the final award, rather, is like I feel like this and international go hand in hand in a way, even though international wrestlers can win this award as well we have wrestler of the year this overall wrestler of the year and uh it's oof. I, let me tell y'all whenever this was uh in the voting super close super close <laughs> she campaigned to be in the wrestler of the year category i will say that but uh 
We have 10 here that are all deserving of this award. Nominees for Wrestling Wrestler of the Year, AC Mack, Anthony Bowens, Ali Catch, Billy Dixon, Dark Sheik, Edith Surreal, Effie, Kid Bandit, Max the Impaler, and Nyla Rose. And the winner for Wrestler of the Year in 2022 for the QWI Awards, <laughs> Dark Sheik. <clears throat> I love having the doc up because then I get to watch you like highlight and be like, oh, it's them. <laughs> get a half second sneak preview. Yes. <laughs> it's a tiny, tiny. So I'm a dark chic mark. Um, I, I You're love a mark chic? I'm a mark chic. Um, <laughs> um, she's post-seller and really has breakout matches like every other week and has really like does really compelling work whether she's doing singles wrestling in tag um no matter where she's working who she's working with um has her own church of wrestling has her has a has hood slam as the like baseline ground like dark chic is the is the right pick any year you know like dark chic never really has a bad year I think there are people on this wrestler of the year list who maybe had a bigger 2022 in a lot of ways in a grand scope of things, but Dark Sheik makes sense as a perennial pick here. So it's hard to argue with those type of picks. Like, really can't make an argument against it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to dispute this. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a Mark Sheik. Very deserving, but yeah, a little surprising to me just because we spent so much of the past hour and a half talking about the acclaimed talking about effie ac mac topped the qwi this year so dark sheep winning over that they had a very good year they won the paris bumping grand prize the hood slam came back and forth back in full force but they didn't have she didn't have one big singular moment in the same way of the acclaimed winning the take titles or effie versus jeff Jarrett. did she I mean, I would say um, if I had to pick a moment like that for her, I would say probably uh, the the championship match she had with Chupacabra and Hood Slam or the caution and Bussy at uh, whenever GCW came to San Francisco. Like that match, I, I, that match is iconic for the moment of her and Allie just making out in the middle of the ring while Anton and Effie are just like, what the hell is it we're fighting like why are y'all just making out so like it but it does but you're right in terms of like um like a, a title win like ac mac or anthony bowen's had or um feuds like what effie or even like certain like opponents like kid bandit with with malachi black and 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 prestige like i i i see the point i feel like dark chic is just so consistent in like like m spoke to as well as like it may not be like one huge moment outside of the all trans fan main event at Paris is bumping, but it's a culmination of a bunch of moments that that are like just at the cusp of it, I feel like in a lot of ways. It, it's the tricky thing of a category like this. It's very broad in that way of like how you define the wrestler of the year. Like for me, I'm looking at the year specifically. I'm looking at that year and like what the the you know the biggest moments of that, the biggest the biggest moments of the, the biggest wrestler of the year. Um, so I kind of define that a little differently, but 
if you wanted to find it by someone who consistently stayed in the conversation the entire year, who always consistently stays in the conversation and continues to break new ground in, in the ways that they do um, and get noticed for just doing stellar work, not even like winning giant championships, but just doing really good work and doing it interestingly. Um, you could make worse picks than the dark sheet. Like this is, it's a really solid pick. It's surprising to me, but it's it's solid. Yeah, and it continues the pattern of who I put at number two in the QWI 200 is winning this award. So <laughs> last year, Epi well, won this have, award. So <laughs> that's a direct predictor. So who was number two? You said this was a close vote. Who was number two? Number two was, uh, it was Epi, actually. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah it was a very, very close uh, down to the wire uh, vote. But Dark Sheik pulled it out and a very, very high honor for her. It pays to be a wrestler and a promoter. You got that sort of double-edged yeah. advantage. Dusty Rhodes knew it 40 years ago. Yep. Well, that brings us to the end of the, the 2022 QWI Awards. Any uh, final thoughts from y'all here before we all go delirious from <laughs> sleep deprivation? <laughs> I think uh, that these picks and just the, the nominees and these categories uh, foster a really excellent conversation every year, Brian. So kudos to providing that platform um, because it's so wonderful to get to shout out all these people who are doing tremendous work and are going to continue doing that in 2023. Um, so I would say like, there's no losers in this, right? There's nobody who lost anything here. Everybody's yeah. paid for having been mentioned and nominated for this. Um, it's amazing that we have so many, right? Like I still can get over the fact that like you could make a giant ass list of queer wrestling and you can have nominees in the like 10s and 20s and 30s and 40s of nominees in each of these categories. It's wonderful. I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's still novel to me. And I, I refuse to give up that novelty because I, I'm grateful for it. Um, I'm grateful to be like enjoying pro wrestling as a fan um, in an era where there's this much representation. So this is just a nice yearly reminder of that. So thank you. Thank you for that. I think if we can get the acclaimed at Effie's Big Gay Brunch in Chicago next year with Poirot Del Mar at ringside, we got this sewed up. You know, I mean, an award show. You can just announce at the start of the show, this one match, won everything. I mean, Effie... If anybody can make the acclaim versus the caution with Paul Del Mar and the caution's corner work happen at Effie's Big Gay Brunch Chicago, it's Effie. I mean, I love the, that we're just evolving into like fantasy booking now. It's it's great. <laughs> but we'll no, that thank, for our 2023 January resolution purposes. Yes, exactly, exactly. Thank you both for for taking the time to to come on the show and go through this with me. It's always. It's always fun to to go through these awards and and finally have the chance to have both of you on uh, is outstanding and and I've been looking forward to it. It did not disappoint at all. Of course, if you're listening to this, make sure to check out the glitter bombs on Tuesday on Grit and Glitter because uh, that is the true end of award season for <laughs> for 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 wrestling. The QWI nominated podcast, Grit and Glitter. Yes, exactly. Two time QWI award nominated podcast yes yes one day we are bridesmaid yet again one day we will be the bride <laughs> and that day will be joyous but we just have to like add a name to our roster like Effie 
or I don't know, Poyo. Let's get Poyo on the Gunarati and then we'll win. Ooh. Might be a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we well, need to the big guns. <laughs> Well, if you want to let everybody know where they can uh, find you online and check out uh, Grit and Glitter. Yeah, Twitter or Instagram, Grit Glitter Pod. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. This Tuesday is our year-end awards show, The Glitter Bombs. Our listeners voted for their favorite wrestlers of marginalized gender in 10 different categories, like favorite wrestler, favorite tag team, match of the year, best baby face, best heel. Tons of crossover nominees with the QWI list. You know, Edith Surreal, Bussy, Veda Scott, Val Capone, many, many more, all nominated this year for Glitter Bombs. Yep, find us there and find us on Patreon where we're also releasing bonus content like a monthly series dedicated to um, tracking the history of women in the WWE. Um, we also, uh, with the lovely Val course, I have some back logged files of our um, Grit, Glitter, and Glow, which covers the Netflix series Glow from episode by episode from the very start. So please check in on our Patreon. Uh, it's a one or $5 level. It gets you a weekly newsletter. It gets you bonus pods. Who knows? It might get you some stickers. It might get you some other cool stuff coming in 2023. So please uh, support us there. And we use that money to directly support promotions and wrestlers that you love. So, you know, we're going to be sponsoring Enjoy Wrestling's YouTube series coming out in January based off the show they just did this last weekend. Um, so yeah, so find our Patreon and help us help other people with making the wrestling that you love. Well, thank you both again. My thanks once again to M and Harley for uh, coming on the show and helping me out with doling out all of these amazing awards to all of the outstanding winners. Congratulations once again from uh, here us here at LGBT in the Ring to all of the nominees and the winners for the QWI Awards this year. Um, I just, again, am amazed by the fan response uh, to these awards. And uh, yeah, it just, it was amazing to see y'all. Like we literally had like double <laughs> the amount of voting this year as compared to last year. And that kind of growth is, uh, it's bewildering to me, honestly. It really, really is. Um, but yeah. Well, that's going to close the book on 2022 for the QWI uh, season, so to speak. It's also going to close the book for this podcast for 2022 because I am taking next week off. <laughs> um, you know, with all the uh, the holiday festivities and the new year coming up, I feel like it's just a, a good time to take a little tiny bit of a break. Uh, one that's not due to illness uh, and, and just have a chance to be with my with my spouse and, and family and friends and uh, do whatever the hell we get up to. Uh, who knows? But um, thank you all all the listeners and, and fans of this show and all of the people who have read my work over at Outsports or any other place that I've popped up this year. Uh, 2022 has been an amazing year uh, for me personally. You know, I got married, uh, new job opportunities popped up, uh, another uh, QWI 200 list in the books. Uh, just a lot, a lot to be proud of honestly. And, and I thank all of you for continuing to stay on this journey with me and uh, whoever else may be. 
behind the scenes, so to speak. But um, until January, we will say goodbye for now. Um, but come back then. And until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. The same goes for monkeypox. And uh, y'all just have a happy holiday. And enjoy your New Year weekend. And uh, let's make 2023 even gayer than 2022. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the